When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holler at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Everyone deserves a chance in the driver's seat. For GM and Revolt, that means leading the way on the road to an all-electric future and envisioning a world with zero crashes, zero tailpipe emissions, and zero congestion. GM's committed to making EVs accessible for everybody. That means you too. So what are you waiting for? GM's got the keys. You grab the wheel. Learn more about an all-electric future and the 000 initiative at GM.com. GM, everybody in. I found that looking at my careers as a lawyer, as a talent agent, as a real estate agent, that I really like being of service to people and I liked being of service to them in sort of uh, an in-depth, you know, really in like the center of what's going on in their life. Hello, this is another episode of The Measurables powered by Revolt. Today I have a dear friend, a gentleman who has a company called The Agency. It's a real estate firm. And if you look at any real estate of merit, nine times out of ten you're going to see he and his partner Mauricio's uh, sign right out front. A friend of mine and now friend of the show, Mr. Billy Rose. How are you? I'm doing great. Good to see you. Good to see you as well, my brother. Before I start anything, how are you? How's your mental? How's your health? Uh, my mental's great, actually. Um, feeling good, feeling positive. Um, my health is, is good, though I'm fighting this thing that everybody seems to be getting. My entire household have gotten it. Oh, wow. Is it like a, uh, like a cold? Or is it... Uh, I don't know if it's this RSV thing or it's like, a, it's like a flu thing, it seems like. People get coughs and headaches and bad sore throat and uh, aches. And I seem to be somewhat... I'm battling it. I haven't succumbed to it yet. Yeah. But I'm drinking tons of... Fresh orange juice, doing all the zinc and the yeah. quercetin and the, all the things. It's the season for it. My wife was uh, traveling and she got off the road and she came back and she was kind of sniffling. And then the sniffles turned into like just full on, just like her voice just got deep. It's very white. And now yeah. she's just in the bed and just, you know, we're, we're having our house redone right now. So it's just, it, it is chaos on a whole nother level. But she actually succumbed to it. So it is my prayer that you don't, brother. I'm not succumbing. <laughs> <laughs> Staying strong. So, you know, we jumping into this, where, where are you from originally? I actually grew up here. I grew up in the Valley. I was a North Hollywood high guy. Yeah. UCLA undergrad, USC law school. Yeah. It's hard to leave this place. I just love it too much. And so you graduate from college and then you land at UTA first? No. Okay. Um, so I, I was a competitive tennis player and I always wanted to be like a sports agent or uh, a lot of my friends were in the entertainment business uh you know being on shows when I was you know in high school and stuff and um in fact Ron Howard was my little league coach are you serious yeah Clint was on my team 
Wow. And, and um, so I was around a lot of celebrity and a lot of sports, and I knew I wanted to get into sports entertainment. I knew I wanted to be a lawyer. Right. So after graduating from UCLA, I went to USC for law school and um, got into entertainment law. Wow. Um, I had an uh, interesting story, actually. I I um, had been with a firm for five years, a really prestigious boutique high-end firm. And this is law? This is law. Correct. And um, I had I was really into the music uh seen i was a dj i booked bands i managed nightclubs back in my uh pause for a second days pause for a second yeah. what was your dj name i was just dj bill, bill actually i was billy rose i didn't you know there was no like there was no swag in on top fact, of it there it, was like you weren't even a dj then you were a disc jockey oh wow yeah. Woo. like disc during, jockey. during the days of uh, <laughs> cassette tapes actually yeah yeah um yeah so i used to actually make uh, mixtapes for like retail stores and stuff like that. Is and that then right? I started spinning at clubs and um, hosting events where we would actually charge. And um, so I was really into like discovering music. It was like, it was like a, when I was like 16, 17, I used to go to the beach and everybody would come to where we were parked right you know, on the beach, on the sand, right to like hear what I was playing out of my, you know, you know, boom box with, like two Are cassette decks. Serious. You're like DJing. Pop one cassette in, let that play, pop the other one in. As soon as that's over, click over to the other one. It was very, very analog. Oh my goodness. Now I got my DJ voice back. You got the DJ voice back, man. You're Rick Deeds in the morning. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Actually, his son's an agent at our uh, at our company. Is that right? Yeah. He's a great agent, great guy, Kevin Deeds. He's awesome. That's amazing. Um so how did you get into how did you land? I mean, you know, you're DJing. You end up at UTA. How did that whole thing come about? Right. So, so I'm at this law firm. I'm into music. I'm I'm going to. There was a legendary club at the time called Club Laundry, where you'd go see live cool music. Yes. And there was a guy there who I thought was awesome. Uh huh. And um, he wanted me to represent him and help him get signed at a label, which is what lawyers did in that time, maybe still. Um. And so he gave me a copy of his demo tape, and I took it into the head of our music department, and I said, um, "I really want to sign this guy." Right. And he said, "Well, we can only sign one baby band right now." And I said, "That's cool. I only want to sign one. In fact, right. it's not even a band; it's a guy." Right. And he said, "Well, you know, there's this management company who we shared a number of really, really high-profile clients with, um, and this management company wants us to sign this other band." And I said. Whoa. I don't know. Let, let me hear them. He says, I don't have a tape. I don't, you know, I'm a lawyer. I, I write contracts. I don't listen to me. I'm, well, just listen to mine. Right. He says, no, no, no. We're lawyers. We don't do the music thing. Listen, just, you don't need to sign anybody. Just wow. handle, you know, handle our work. I was the one associate at the time. There were 12 partners of me. Mm -hmm. And um, I didn't get to sign the guy. And the guy turned out to be Lenny Kravitz. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Wow. So I was totally despondent. Wow. And so um, shortly thereafter, I started a new firm with these few other guys who, you know, seemed like they were going to be major players. And it, five years later, we, you know, we were doing fine, but I realized we were really never going to get to the next level. So I started to try to find other people with whom I could start a firm and be more formidable. Right. Um, and, I, and I just couldn't find anyone. And um, along the way, I got recruited to become a talent agent. And I thought, oh, well. I like screenings, premieres, breakfast, lunch, dinner, drinks. I'm 
personable. I'm social. Yeah. I, I love this. And yes. I hated it. Um, wow. But you were, but the thing is you were successful at it though. Yeah. Well, I work hard and I apply my, I'm diligent. I'm disciplined. I, you know, I, I give it all and I, you know, mm-hmm. um, but it really, you know, for me being at the firm I was when I was a lawyer, um, they were known for really being kind of lawyers for lawyer. If you were like, you know, a lawyer, who, you know, who was going to go run Disney, mm-hmm. you'd get these guys because they were like the button down best. They cross the T's, dot the I's. Right. You'd never commit an impropriety. In fact, you'd never commit the appearance of an impropriety. Gotcha. And then I got into the, you know, talent agency world where you get rewarded for lying, cheating, and stealing. Wow. And, wow. Uh, you know, and it's just a different, you know, ecosystem. And it, it just wasn't, it didn't square with me. It didn't work for me so well. So um, I... You know, but I was there for five years. So, so this is my question because I, I, I had the benefit of being on several people's desks in terms of covering desks. I was in the in, in the mailroom, and Michael Carr. I don't know if you remember him. Michael Carl. Michael Carr. Remember Mike Carr? He was. Oh he, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was. In, he was an yeah. assistant on your desk, and he had. Um, you know, he called in sick, and I was. And and like I, I. Did I you been, work on my desk? I had been called <laughs> up, and. And what I remember from working on your desk, because I worked on Nick Stevens' desk, I worked on Tracy Jacobs, and Tracy Jacobs was her her desk was really difficult. Like people who had like you know a a pot in the office on how long I would last on the desk, because it, it, she would just you know she would just annihilate people. And what I remember about you was that even when I made a mistake, the matter in which you communicated was so refreshing. It was just like you know what, okay. The call was dropped because you know when you're when you're at the agency those those phones light up yeah and everybody's calling and everybody's situation is important everyone even if it's not important to them it's important and if you don't get to a call or if you drop a call you know sometimes the clients call back and they're upset what I remember about you again you were just always very like nurturing in terms of like let's just get it right write down their name get their number let's call them back like it was the matter in which you handled I was like. No matter what you do, I just felt like you were going to be successful based off of that. So you're at the agency, you're at UTA, and you say, this isn't working for me. You're there five years. The transition of, I mean, a lot of people can say, I'm going to leave and I'm going to start, you know, a real estate company, but not everybody is able to do that. How were you able to make that transition from agent to the agency? Right. And and it's not in any way linear in my When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holler at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. My way, you know, in the, in, my, in the way it happened for me, um, and of course, you know, we kind of share that parallel kind of situation in that yes. we were both at UTA mm-hmm. in a completely different industry, and then, you know, lo and behold, we end up somewhere totally, it would seem to be completely unrelated. Right. Um, for me, you know, I, so I had a girlfriend during that process uh-huh. while I was, it was kind of- My brother-in-law died suddenly. And now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. 
SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. In between, you know, kind of as I was ending as a lawyer, starting as a talent agent, and um, she had just graduated from design school and I had, I was, I just remodeled a house um, in South Carthay, which I had like done the electrical and the plumbing and stuff. You did myself. everything. Yeah. Everything. Okay. And well, not everything, but most everything. Mm-hmm. And um, so when it got down to doing the interiors, we did them together and um, it got published, made a little bit of money. I had always thought I, you know, I wanted to have a house with a tennis court and, I had a friend. I said, "If you ever see something, you know, he call me." Right. And one day he called me. Says, "I think I'm at your house." And I went over there, and it was this like Best Western meets Taco Bell house on <laughs> uh, on St. Ives in the Bird Streets, which you know didn't even have that name at that time. Yes. Um, but it was pretty spectacular. Seven thousand square feet, and like massive, not quite Olympic size pool, but massive. A tennis court mm-hmm. um, and some pretty great views. Yes. And um, I ended up buying that house and ended mm-hmm. up remodeling it for a number of years. And then um, I had always, I had always pestered the the woman who lived next door to me that had a house that kind of moved, ran up from Doheny to kind of the backside of this house on St. Ives. And um, one day she called me and she says, "You know, you told me if I ever wanted to sell my house to give you a call, and I'm calling you." And I said. I want to buy your house. Yeah. So the only way I could do that would be to sell the one I had remodeled. So I wow. sold, I, I put that on the market. It actually came on the same day as Seinfeld's house. Wow. And, and um, wow. we were pretty much the same price. And mine sold um, that day on Caravan, actually, to uh, Ryan Kavanaugh. Wow. Wow. He walked in on Caravan. He Whatever to happened to him, by the way? You know, he's a guy who makes and loses fortunes. So he'll be back around, I'm sure. No, yeah, no yeah. question. So anyway, um, you were saying... <laughs> And um, it's so cavalier how you how like like how you approach and curb that. That was amazing. Like he makes and loses fortunes. He'll be back. All right. Anyway, like I was saying about my house. Um, so <laughs> it, you know, I made what seemed to be this like unfathomable amount of money when I sold that house. You know, it was like wow. I could retire and go live in San Bernardino and not have to do a thing again. Wow. Um, and I had already bought the one next. I was buying the one next door as a result. Mm-hmm. And. Um, I decided I was going to be, you know, a, a designer, uh, you know, interior designer for for clients, and I was going to be a speculator, and I did not need to continue to do this job at UTA anymore. So you leave UTA, you're doing, uh, you're 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 reimagining homes, but I'm talking about like the moment you say I need to get office space. Me and Mauricio are going to do well, this that together. Happens, that happens a lot later. So I I actually I got my um, broker's license to support my deals. Um, so that when I bought or sold something, I'd save that money. And um, I, my friend who had found me the house with the tennis court, he was a real estate agent. And um, I said, you know, where I have to hang my license somewhere. Where, where should I hang it? And he said, well, why don't you hang it at our company? And I said, oh, okay, that, right. that sounds good. Right. And I just became a student of the market, and I really wanted to see everything that was out there so I could understand, you know, where the market was at, 
looking for deals that I could buy, understanding what exit values would be, um, looking how people are launching their open houses, getting inspired by um, design, just mm-hmm. really seeing everything I could out there. And I became so voracious in my appetite of seeing everything that agents started calling me and saying, you're seeing everything, you know, can you help us price wow. my home that I'm wow. listing? And so I started pricing those things. And then I started getting approached by people at UTA and other in other places in the entertainment industry saying, you know, you're out there seeing any, everything. And if you see anything that might be interesting for me, you know, you can represent me. And you right. know, I didn't really have any thoughts at all of being a real estate agent. That was the furthest thing from my mind. Right. Um, but I had, I found this, you know, unique multidisciplinary skill set of being a lawyer, a talent agent, a designer developer. Right. Um, and so I was able to kind of, I think, analyze things and communicate things in ways that most people did. And, and, you know, what I came to learn was that, you know, that wasn't a very high bar. You know, the, the real estate agent industry is somewhat pathetic. And hmm. that was really kind hmm. of the reason why we ended up starting the agency. But back to your question. Um, so I started at, at a real estate brokerage where my friend was at. And... Um, it, it wasn't the right fit, and so I had partnered up with a guy named Blair Chang, and we had this brand called Rosen Chang, and we mm-hmm. moved from one company to another company, and that one was too small a pond, and we moved to another company. And I realized that um, nobody knew where I, what brokerage I was at. The brokerage right. was meaningless. Right. And you know, one of the things that I had found being at law firms and talent agencies, um, you know, was if you gave that UTA card. It meant something. Right. You were in. Right. Like it was a it was credit, the access. Enhance, right. credit enhancement. There was cachet. And you can say that about a lot of companies, whether it's CAA or mm-hmm. Goldman Sachs or right. Roman Lee Myers, whatever it might be. And um, that didn't exist in the real estate brokerage industry. Um, I had started a, a networking group that included about, I don't know, 20, 25 agents, um, kind of more youthful, fun, good people that um, we – all met every other, I think, Thursday at somebody's upcoming listing. And we'd, you know, see the house, we'd talk about it, and we'd talk about best practices, what's coming on the market, what's about to fall out. Mm-hmm. And um, Mauricio was one of the people that I invited into the group. And um, we became friends over the years. And um, one day he calls me and he says, you know, I want to have you come see the house I'm working on. He was remodeling his house and we'll shoot a game of pool and I want to talk about something. And though we had never really talked about doing so, we, I knew exactly what it was that he wanted to talk to me about, which was starting a company. Right, right, so, right. Um, and, was, and, and, and was the transition difficult from agent to selling real estate, having your own company? Was that a difficult transition? Um, after I was already a real estate agent? Well, after you realized that, you know, I'm, I don't want to be an agent, I redid this house, sold the house, made, you know, a nice lump sum. Okay, now I have all of these people who are, like, looking at me like, well, you're out in the market. If you see something, can you help me out? Like, was it, what was the transition difficult, or was it like, oh, you just fell into it? I did just fall into it. it wow. It, it was, you know, wow. um, there was no real um, premeditated road to that. I, You know, when somebody asked me to do it, it was actually an entertainment lawyer. Who said he wanted to be my first client, and um, I thought, well, I'm kind of already doing that because I do it for my own deals. I'm out there looking for everything. Right. I think right. I have pretty good taste. 
Um, and it, it seemed like a natural thing to do. And it was, um, it, it seemed pretty easy. You know, it was, um, I think probably for you, you may have had some of the same kind of, um, I don't know, inquiries from people, you know, after I, after I left the entertainment industry, I was contacted a lot by mm-hmm. people who, you know, were trying to figure out how do you, how do you get out? Right. You know, right. Uh, Cause you know, we all have these, these golden handcuffs. Right. And you know, I want you to pause that for one second. I always tell people that whether it's virtue or vice, you can find it at an agency. So if it's your goal to be, the the maker of a new world and a world where like you know things are better you have the access to do that at an agency on the flip side if you want to do coke and mess with hookers that's available too like it's like literally virtual or vice whatever you want to do it's available not necessarily in the agency offices but like you have access to it so like the agency isn't for everybody talking about talent agencies entertainment but once you realize that you don't want to do that, you're right. It's like, well, how do I how, how do I segue to something else? So in reference to real estate, now you're in real estate. Do you prefer commercial or residential and why? Um, well, I, I basically practice residential. I mean, from a development perspective, one day I'd like to do something kind of public facing and commercial. But. Um, I really understand residential and I really prefer residential. I've found that looking at my careers as a lawyer, as a talent agent, as a real estate agent, that I really like being of service to people and I liked being of service to them in sort of uh, an in-depth, you know, really in like the center of what's going on in their life. Right. And that really exists far more in residential than it does in commercial. I mean, Agree. Your house Agreed. is an extension of your persona. Persona, it's where your memories are made. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, there's, it's so much, it's what you want people to see of you and how you want, you know, people come over and, you know, how you want them to perceive you. And, yes. you know, on a commercial level, it's really like, does it pencil? Right. Make economic sense. And, and I think it's a lot less emotional. And I just really like the emotional component of it. Wow. Um, in reference to growing the business, were there any people that were instrumental? Like, was your family instrumental? Were your relationships instrumental? Like, how like how did you cultivate that business as you're, like, you know, starting to build it up? and You're starting to get some momentum and steam. Good question. <laughs> uh, um, you know, I think... I, I think that I got a lot of support from people within the industry generally. I think, um, and when I say the industry, the entertainment industry, you know, one of the things about being a talent agent in particular is you have to know a ton of people. Yes, you do. You basically get paid for introducing two people who already know each other. So it's about (laughs) having as large a network as possible. Um, And, you know, I think probably to this day still, I have, you know, one of, if not the largest networks, you know, of my personal contacts. Um, And that's, you know, because I guess I had, you know, made somewhat of a name as a lawyer, as a talent agent, people knew I could handle business and 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 handle it, you know, uh, reliably and with re- integrity and professionally. Mm-hmm. Um, people have come to me, and I I've been fortunate and lucky in that way. So, can you tell me the the importance of relationships? Somebody asked you, like, why are relationships important? You would say what? Relationships are everything. 
I mean, we've all heard the story of it takes, you know, a year or 30 years to develop your reputation and it takes one moment to, to destroy it. Literally five seconds. So, you yes. know, for me, it's always been about, you know, acting with integrity and morality mm -hmm. and always thinking about, you know, and I think this goes back to my training as a lawyer of, you know, being on the right side of the line. Um, That's right. You know, and if yeah. you're always doing that, it'll always come back to you. So for me, it's, as a real estate agent, it's never about the commission. It's mm -hmm. always about the relationship. Right. Because, you know, you may get that one commission, but you may lose five more referrals that you might have gotten off of that person. Right. And, and it, so for me, you know, I'm always taking sort of the long road on it. And, you know, I find that by doing so, my clients really appreciate it because I'm not looking to get them to buy the first house they like necessarily. Right. You know, we're going to really look at it in a holistic way. And, you know, decide is it the right house for them today? Is it is it the right house for them at all? Is mm -hmm. it at the right price? Is it the right time to make an offer? You know, right. not about like, okay, let's go. Right, right, right. So what do you see as your value proposition and the agency's value proposition? Because they're like, you know, there's Compass out here. There are all these other places, right? You all are a boutique agency and you all do really good work. What is your value proposition? Um. Well, I think my value proposition is, you know, I have a, I have a lot of tenure now. You know, I've been mm -hmm. doing this for 21 years, I think. Wow. I know. <laughs> Longer than yeah. I was in the entertainment industry, which yeah. was 15. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think that I really bring to it a really objective perspective, a really analytical perspective. Um, and I think having been a developer and a designer really gives me a good insight on human nature and how to market things. Yes. So yes. from a listing agent side, I really give a lot of thought to, you know, who is the likely buyer. And once I've done that, figuring out what's the right imagery and narrative to emotionally engage that buyer and then figuring out how to reach channels to, to get to that buyer. And, and yes. I have, you know, somewhat unique channels in that I have a very large network. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think I, I don't, know of anyone I in in the business that I think has my legal acumen um, and um, and I think I just have a really high level of professionalism and ethics so I think that's my value proposition you know I think right. if you're really looking for sort of you know going back to that law firm where you know you're, it's the dot in the I's crossing the T's and you really want to get that done then you, I'm your guy right right um, right and then the agencies you know given me and the rest of us really this great sort of broader canvas, uh, a super loudspeaker, a really broad platform uh, within which to really, you know, gain information and, and spotlight properties. And, you know, mm -hmm. it really, I think, you know, it, there's a lot of luck and there's a lot of um, skill as well, a lot of skill in sort of understanding what it is that we wanted to create so that when we launched in 2011, the idea was to create a brokerage that mattered something where like we were talking earlier if you said you worked at the agency people went oh yes okay so all right so you know what you're doing right um the idea being that unlike other brokerages where people work on their own in their own little fiefdoms and their own silos where they're you know basically reliant and dependent upon their solo expertise knowledge, experience, relationships, database, mm -hmm. knowledge of pockets. Right. Um, the idea was to create like a law firm or a talent agency where, you know, as you know, there you'd have 
you know, senior agent, junior agent from the literary department also tied, and that might be motion picture lit and TV lit, and then you right. might have, you know, uh, TV talent, you know, feature talent, and junior and senior. So you could have eight people or more on any given client um, all working together and all kind of utilizing their strengths. There was a real division of labor. But in mm-hmm. the real estate brokerage industry, there's no such thing. I mean, it's basically right. everybody is supposed to be a superstar. So you got to, you know, you have to, you know, we talk about like, you know, finder, binder, minder, grinder. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's hard to be all of those things, particularly when you're starting out. So not only do you have to find the client, you have to sign them or bind them. And who's going to be that minder, that day-to-day, you know, talking to them. And who's going to be the grinder that's going to be in the, doing the analytics. And, um, and I wanted to create a place where, you know, you could, you know, go to your colleagues and, you know, I'm, I need a you know, I've got a buyer who's, you know, moving from, you know, Beverly Park or Brentwood Park, their big estate, they're downsizing, they want a condo. I don't really know what's going on in condos in West Hollywood. Can you help me? Yeah, sure. Right. I, I know my condos. Cohesive. You know? Amoeba. Yeah. Everybody's amoeba. So the, you touched on something very important. In the agency business, you have all of these different people all working in unison for the benefit of one person. But the thing is, when that one person makes it to the top, it reflects kindly on everybody who was involved. So you taking that approach is genius. Well, I think, you know, it's, it goes back to that JFK adage of the rising tide raises hmm. boats. And, yes. you know, whether Mauricio sells the Playboy Mansion or mm-hmm. I sell a case study house, we can all say we sold that. That yes. does not happen in any other brokerage. If you, you know, if someone said I sold that property or we sold that property, mm-hmm. that agent would go, no, 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 we didn't sell that. I, I sold, sold that. that. Right, right. You know, so <laughs> it's a much different mentality. And I think it's given us a really, um, you know, as far as the value proposition goes, it really gives us a very different uh, culture and ecosystem where everybody really is trying to help each other out. And people really do uh, elevate their game because you know, if if I can help you make that sale, it's good for me. I may not get paid on it, but right. it's better for us to say we conquered, you know, the Beverly Hills Flats or we've done more $20 million sales right. or we, you know, right. whatever it might be. Right. These um, are real stats, by the way, that you're, are, yeah. that you're spouting. Just, I mean, like, just like gentle flexes. So, I mean, just, I mean, you know, this is what we do. My question for you is this. The agency is a global operation, right? Mm-hmm. When you first started out, was that the goal? Like, we're going to be global, or is it like, you know what, let's conquer our backyard first and then go out? Like, how did you all approach that? Um, I don't even think it was the second thing for me. Oh, wow. It, for me, it was, you know, let's make a great company and let's do well and, you know, let's create, um, you know, an environment where people are all working together and having a great time doing so. Um, you know, I think Mauricio had grander plans than I did. Um, wow. And, um, you know, but I was like, sure, you know, you want to go make that happen? Let's go do that. Right, right. And how many locations does the company have, the agency? Uh, I think we now have 65, believe it or not. I wow. actually, I, oh, I, was, wow, wow, wow. I was shy on, on, on understanding the number on that earlier. And um, that got brought to my attention. I was like, wow, we really are growing here. And, you know, it's, it's look, we've, we've been graced with some really phenomenal uh, agents who have joined us as well as some extraordinary luck and, um, you know, 
we launched the show at the same time. I sorry, we launched the company at the same time that Housewives has started. Uh, okay, you know, I remember we were just about to start the company, and and Marisa said, you know, by the way, my wife's going to be on a show, and I was like, okay, yeah, whatever. Um, not knowing, you know, how the phenomenon that will become. Yeah, I mean, and it was an incredible platform that we were able to utilize to help, you know, draw attention and to launch what we were doing. So, in reference to growing your team and maintaining a positive company culture. What is your insight on that? I think the insight on that is really to have um, a philosophy of abundance as opposed to scarcity. You know, if somebody mm. else succeeds, it doesn't take away from you. And Correct. I think that's something that I really, as I, as you, it reminds me of something I hated about the entertainment industry, particularly the talent agent industry, was that, you know, if you're uh, an agent who represents like, you know, a big action director, right? You know, it, it's very common within the entertainment industry for people who might have the luster taken away from their hmm. clients, action director, right. um, wish that, you know, the one whose movie's opening this weekend fail. Wow. You know, because, well. In the I, same house, that that well, that, that attitude agency. was pervasive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, uh, that was not uncommon. I mean, wow. you know, it, if I had someone, you know, wouldn't be uncommon for someone who might have had like a competitive client hmm. to wish poorly on my wow. client's performance. And I just always felt that that was something that was, it, it all kind of stems out of this negativity. Um, there's Correct. no, you know, there's so much like fighting and not wanting everybody to succeed. And there's more than enough to go around and, you know, we can all, you know, kumbaya together. And I think that that's a big difference for us. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I have, um, I've, I've had several of these podcasts, and one of the podcasts I, you know, I talk to my manager, and I always, um, you know, joke that in the African American community, in terms of people who reach unprecedented heights, there's always this feeling, this omnipresence of there can only be one. Right. There can only be one. <laughs> right. And I mean, like, I don't understand how that came to be because the thing is, if you think about what we're talking about, like a pie, you, you only got one mouth, you got two hands. You're going to put one fork in your mouth at a time. If you eat one slice of pie, there's still pie left. If you eat the whole pie, you can go to the store and get more makings and make another pie. So I never understood that mindset of like, you doing well is going to reflect poorly upon me. If you do well, that opens the door for my client to do even better. That's how I look at it. Yeah, and I think that, like, if you just take, let's say, a brokerage, um, you know, I think so many people want to be, you know, well, I want to be number one. I want to be the one who, you know, sold the most. Okay. Or da, 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 da. But, okay. you know, I think that um, look at, you know, a sports team. Mm -hmm. You know, LeBron may be the best, let's just say. But you need teammates. And you can't win on your own. So, you know, you need that help and, you know, Whoever that you know MVP may be of that year, mm -hmm. I still left with a ring. I heard that, yeah. And so there, 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 there's a special way that you all present your properties. There's a certain way that there, there's a certain ethos and language, design language, that you all speak to the client, right? Can you explain what, like, what's your definition of proper presentation? Um, well, a really high level of design was super important to us when we launched and we we you know basically developed an in-house 
design uh, like firm? company. Yeah. Wow. So, and, you know, um, we really wanted to, you know, have a more sort of, um, uh, you know, luxury publication. Okay. You know, whether, and, and more so in like design, not so much, you know, like in real estate, but looking more to um, editorial from, you know, whether GQ or uh, Vogue or, Vogue or and, yeah, well, anything yeah. that is, you know, kind of high style. Mm -hmm. Correct. Um, and bringing that feeling and approach because we were selling luxury, you know, mm -hmm. and, you know, we, in the same way that it might be Bentleys or Rolls or, or Rolexes or, uh, you know, bags or Ralph Lauren or yeah. whatever. Right. Um, we wanted to give that essence of luxury lifestyle and it, and it doesn't necessarily have a price point. I mean, it's luxury is, it varies from it's where variable. you may live. Exactly. You know, it means different things. It's more different here people. than it is, you know, in uh, the valley. Wherever. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And so how does present, like how, how does presentation directly assist your business? Um, well, one, it makes you look and, and feel more professional, but two, I think it catches more attention and I think it, it allows you to, justify or at least communicate value um so that's if you're fantastic. treating something that's fantastic yeah. you know like when i'm selling I, one of my specialties is you know mid-century modernism um or you know high-end architecture mm -hmm. um and you know i look at that as functional art you know it's it's one of a kind you know it's 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 at a higher level of, mm -hmm. of thought and and execution than shelter Right. You know, it's there. It's not like there's. It's not like there's nothing to be said for homes that you know are kind of more paint by numbers. That modern barn or that you know glass stucco steel box. Mm -hmm. um, those have their place, and they're they they have design in the same way that you know uh, a top designer may do a deal with with Target. Right. You know, it's making it more available to the masses, and we should all have access to to good design. Right. But there is there is a a, a division where you get to a somewhat of a higher level with someone who's really at the top of their game that's not mass producing and and I think you need to be able to communicate what that value proposition is and why it's more valuable. Wow. So that's that, 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 that was great. My question for you is this. You said earlier in our conversation that Lenny Kravitz was that guy mm -hmm. that you were going to sign. For whatever reason, it didn't happen. So Lenny, later on, after having this illustrious music career, he goes into interior designs. Mm -hmm. So do you all work together at no, all? No, Did I'm you ever sure. reach back out to him? No, I, I, I probably should have. Um, but no, and, and I'm a fan of his work, and he did a great spec. He was involved with a great spec out here that like killed it and crashed all their, you know, shattered all the numbers. Yes. So, but he's talented. I mean, you know, he's an artist, so and he can, you know, he, he's able to transcend, you know, uh, mediums. And so, in reference to Lenny Kravitz, Kelly Wurstler, there are all these people who do, like, you know, just incredible work in terms of, like, stones they use. They create, you know, pillows. They create desks and tables. Like, is that something that you feel that, like, is, is, is that where you want to go? Would you entertain that? I mean, I wouldn't say no to it, but mm -hmm. I don't – I think my, my skill set, I'm really good with – um, spatial planning and I think understanding how people interrelate to one another right. in spaces. Right. Um, so I'd like to be involved with development that 
is placemaking that mm. you know, brings people together. Yes. Um, my wife is really into uh, design and, and cuisine and you know wants to do a, a restaurant. And so hopefully we'll do something that's kind of uh, hotel. Like boutique-ish. Yeah. Like Ian Schrager. He's my idol. Well, he's also a nightclub guy. Yeah. Well, Turn, uh, that, that, hotel, yeah. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. So that being said, the company was featured on Buying Beverly Hills. What is the benefit of letting people see the inner workings of your operation, your business, like how the sausage is made? Like, do you like what's the benefit of that? Well, I think that it's great to give visibility and transparency to anybody on anything that, you know, there may in which there may be interest. I mean, you know, there's documentaries and and, uh, explains Mm -hmm. on so many different topics. Right. Um, you know, and obviously there's a, a great fascination with the human condition and the drama that eventuates on the numerous and various reality shows. You know, we spoke of Housewives, but, you know, mm-hmm. there's Below Deck and Million Dollar Listing right. and, and so many others. And, right. And, you know, I think for us, one, obviously, you know, it's 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 press you can't buy. I mean, it's millions right. of dollars, you know, right. of value. Right. Um, but I think it also... it. It shows, um, one, there's great real estate porn there. Mm-hmm. Um, but two, it shows, you know, we're really kind of committed to trying to change the industry, which is really the reason why I started the agency, which was to make it, um, to make real estate brokerage no longer reasonably analogized to used car salesmen. You know, it's so interesting you say that. Um, there's a gentleman by the name of Lou Wasserman. And uh, he has a documentary and he talks about in the documentary how when he started as a talent guy, the agents were looked at as charlatans. Mm-hmm. And then they show old, old, old footage of like the guy with the, the hat that has the bill on both sides, houndstooth, you know, like, you know, sneak talking. And he said it was his goal to really bring legitimacy to that specter of the entertainment industry. Do you feel that you've been tasked? unknowingly with the same thing um well it's certainly a calling i mean whether i've been given anointed with that duty i don't know but i just i look at um you know the sales of the sales of homes you know whether you're a buyer or a seller is you know it's the largest financial transaction you normally would undertake in your lifetime right and all too often the leader you know your guide for that is someone who just got into the business because, you know, they know somebody, my parents know somebody, uh, you know, and so because I think consumers just have such minimal expectations of what a real estate agent can do, they, right. you know, they're almost like a necessary evil to the transaction. Mm. You know, they're, they're allowed to be part of that and to, to gain that commission. But I think, you know, the legislature owes us a greater duty than to allow someone who, you know, passes basically the, equivalent or actually even easier than a driver's license test right? to now represent you in this transaction, which is super substantial, technical, legal, you right. know, economically huge. Yes. And yet, you know, we're, we're letting, I don't have a problem with a 22 year old handling that, but you know, with some guidance, but most people, even whether they're 22 or they're 62, they don't really have a real understanding of the contract. They haven't, you know, there's things they've been doing a long time because that's the way it's done. Mm. But most of the time it's actually wrong. 
Right. And um, I, I think that, you know, one of the things that the agency provides is an opportunity to give you mentorship and supervision and, and a sharing of, of stories that allow us all to get better. You know, we're really trying to share best practices so that, wow. you know, we as a company and hopefully we can, you know, pull other brokerages and agents up so that we as an industry really provide, you know, professional and, and you know, uh, representation with integrity. You know, you touch on something uh, so, so, so interesting. You talk about mentorship. And I mean, just, just to switch lanes slightly, there's a gentleman that I know, his name is Thomas Delgado. He used to be a police officer in Pasadena. He and my sister were married for a time. And, um, you know, with all that, you know, is happening with, you know, police in certain communities, he said, I feel that no one should become a police officer until they've lived on their own at least five to ten years. Until you've had a relationship of meaning. And I said, why do you say that? He said, because you can't police people at 22, fresh out of the academy, unless you had some compassion, unless you had these little things. And it all, I mean, like the reason why I relate the two is because it all goes back to human touch. Mm-hmm. It's so important. But I, 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 I find it very difficult that people don't understand that, though. Like, you know, you, you, you just said, you know, just 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 because you're doing something that's been done for so long, that doesn't mean it's right. So let me like like come here and get the benefit of me nurturing you, me talking to you in a certain way, me showing you the game so you don't make foolish mistakes. Because if you're going out on behalf of me and agency, well, if you do something foolish, it reflects upon me counterclockwise. If you do something that's amazing, that showers upon us all. That's right. And I think, you know, we're unique in that way in that, you know, we we do live or die by the reputation of all of us. So, right. you know, it's, it again, the rising tide raises all boats, but that one person can give you the bad name for the, re- you know, and, and, you know, it doesn't happen a lot, but we have fired people because we didn't like the ethics that they were, they were undertaking business at. And, you know, wow. I think that, you know, even just looking at like the talent agency business where, you know, you don't. I had, you know, numerous people who sat on my desk as an assistant. One guy was a doctor. Mm, and, wow. um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I told him he should not continue to do this. It wasn't cut out for him. Right. And, um, uh, but the point is that, you know, you're on a desk and you're learning that craft. You know, mm-hmm. you start in the mailroom, you work your way up onto a desk, you get to be a junior agent, you know, but you're getting supervision and mentorship along the way. But that does that does not exist in the in the um, real estate industry. That's interesting. So, the elephant in the room, as it applies to Los Angeles specifically, is the just the displaced, the unhoused, right? So, do you think that the displacement and tackling of the unhoused equation, in reference to that? Do you think that private builders and government officials can work together to create centers for the unhoused? Well, they should be able to. For sure they can. Why don't they? Well, that's the $64,000 question, right? I that's mean, the billion-dollar question. the multi-billion-dollar question. And, you know, now we just – this measure ULA just passed. I don't know if you're familiar with yes, that. Yes, I am. I was going to ask you about that. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you know, definitely going to impact the real estate in world, um, 
you know, so it you know applies a four percent tax or a five and a half percent tax over five million or ten million dollars, respectfully, uh, mm-hmm. respectively. Yes, and it's irrespective of whether you've made any money. <laughs> so you know, you could have done a spec home, um, you lost money, and you're still going to pay this tax. It applies to re- to commercial real estate. It applies to industrial. It applies to residential across the board. Across the board, and you know, it, it, look, I you know it. We've never really been able to figure out the solution to this. I mean, it's so politically bound, and there are so many different people that are pointing fingers at each other. And, um, you know, my understanding is there's, you know, already more than a billion dollars of money in the general fund just, that was theoretically just for the homeless. Just sitting there. Or the unhoused situation. Mm-hmm. And now we're going to be putting more money into the general fund. Um, so we've, ne- you know, and, and how can you not vote for a measure that says, you know, let's tax the rich to deal with the housing situation? Mm. You know, that mm. was set up in a way you couldn't lose right. here on that side of the equation. Right, right. Um, and, you know, so now it's going to be interesting to see how that's going to impact our market. Um, theoretically, it should depress values. So, I mean, just to, 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 to delve deeper into it, there's, I, I always say, have you ever driven to Las Vegas before, Billy? Sure. So you know there's a substantial part of land that is untouched. In reference to being unhoused, um, this is such an interesting equation because I study real estate. There's something called highest and best use. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you're okay. So if you have, if if you are a seller of real estate, and I'm the builder of real estate, and then the third party here is the buyer of real estate. The highest and best use of property is compromised if there are all these unhoused people around it. Mm-hmm. The safety, your blocks become more insular. That's a problem. So my question is, how can a builder like a Caruso get with the fund and keeping all things above the fray, doing this honestly, create centers in that land between Las Vegas and Los Angeles, like not dumping a bunch of people in the desert, like Matt Max in, 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 in the Thunderdome, sure. but like literally creating centers where people can get their medication, can take baths, where they can live with dignity, but like they're literally away from the population so they can recalibrate and recalculate themselves. Because what's happening right now, if you're driving through Beverly Hills, People are on the corner. It's one. It, it's one bed. Then it's two tents. Then it's three tents. It, it's it's like if I'm a property owner and we pay the highest tax, some of the highest taxes in the state. I mean, in in in, in the Country, U.S. Yeah. Like that makes no sense. Why do you think that those types of like centers or those types of ideas don't reach the forefront? Unfortunately, we can say that about so many different issues. I think we're such yes. a divisive country right now yeah. that, you know, correct. you're either on my team or I don't trust you. And um, I think that it's too off. You know, the, the, the unhoused situation is so much a finger pointing of whose fault it is. And <sighs> but how do you enough. get past that, though? Right. I mean, listen, there's so many different issues now that, you know, whether you're looking at abortion or you're looking at, you know, the you know, the electoral process. Right. I mean, it's just, we're, <laughs> right. we're, I think we're at a tipping point, you know, in society where, you know, we've got to, we've got to come to a point of, 
of abundance, of, abundance. Of, of reconciliation. And yes, I mean, it's we're 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 so much more divisive than ever, and uh, you know, it doesn't seem to be getting better. Yeah. Um, and you know, unfortunately, there's such a lack of trust and um, and such animosity that you know to get private industry and politics. That actually, in and of itself, shouldn't be that hard. But the, it's the politics aspect of it where you can't get, you know, uh, a legislature, whether it's a local one um, or a national one, to right. come together to under, you know, to, to chart a course where people can have the same vision because they're starting with such different perspectives and such different fundamentals. What's up, everyone? It's Boss Britt. And it's DJ Excel. If you're a fan of the queer culture and lifestyle, then be sure to check out and subscribe to the No Homo Show. We're a show that shares true stories that are uncut, funny, relatable, and of course, gay from a lesbian's perspective. That's right. Brought to you exclusively by the Revolt Podcast Network. That we right. can't agree. Right, right. Well, I, I just want to say one more thing on this, and then we can move on to something, you know, brighter because the horizon always is. Um. Like I said earlier in our conversation, my wife and I were redoing our house, right? So when you're doing your house, you got to get the plans done. Then you got to take them downtown. You got to get them okayed, stamped, blah, blah, blah. If we deviate a little bit off of that, the inspector's going to come out, going to ding us. We got to pay for it, right? I don't think it's so much a pay issue, to be honest. I mean... Okay, and you and when you say you deviate, I mean like what kind of deviations are we talking about? Like, you consciously decided to do something differently than was presented on the plans because you wanted to add a room, or you I'll know, give you an example. They didn't nail that board the way they were supposed to. I'll give you an example. It was supposed to be a flat ceiling. We put a gable in, mm -hmm. but the thing is, if if we deviate in terms of that. If an inspector comes out and sees that, we get dinged. The, the, the correlation I'm making is there is strict supervision on that. But in terms of like La Cienega and San Vicente, somebody on house just wants to build a house on the corner. Right. It gets built and it's like nobody says anything. That's, right. the, that's the strangest thing. And this is, this, and, and, and I'll, I'll say this and I'll be done. When people do things that aren't on, you know, when, when you chart your own course, right? And you, and you do something and it's successful and people see it, then it's like, wow, Billy and his team were able to do this, which means it can be done. So all of the divisiveness we have politically and private sectorly, let's get rid of that because look at look at this case study. Do you think that that could happen? Absolutely. I mean, it, you think it will happen? I think it needs to happen. I think that you need to get someone who's you know got seriously deep pockets, who's willing to basically show that it can be done, and you know has a um, an altruistic mode, well, an altruistic view where it, it's not about the money for them. It's exactly. About, it's about humanity and community and they're willing to, to, to lead the way oh, man. so much so do you have a dream client who is that dream client have you met that dream client yet i've had a number of dream clients i mean they're dream clients in different ways you know some that they're they have voracious appetites they like you know buying and selling and trading and i you know so, uh, developers who have incredible design style and um you know, 
love to to you know take that swing and you know buy something that is either in need of some serious rehabilitation or torn down and create something exceptional and I love being able to bring that to the market. And so there's a segment that I have on the program where I ask a couple of questions to I, I ask the same set of questions to every guest. The first question is, what is the advice you would give to a young professional? Okay. Um, and this is in any industry or, or? It could be in any industry okay. or it can be in your industry. I would think, it, I mean, if it's coming, I think it'd be smart if it were coming from your industry because it, it's germane information to sure. you. Uh, and it, it, it kind of dovetails back to, you know, when I was getting calls from people when I left the entertainment industry and they're like, how do you get away? You know, how do you, how do I leave? How do I get out right. of the golden right. cuffs? Um, you know, for me, if you don't love what you're doing, you're not doing the right thing. Wow. And very simple. It, I mean. It's very simple, yeah. You know, and there, it's, look, I mean, we, a lot of people would like to do something that's glamorous. You know, we'd all love to be rich and famous and, well, not all of us, but. But even the glamorous stuff, Billy, is not glamorous. A lot it's of not. people would like to. Right. Yeah. They think what you do is glamorous. They think that's what I right. do is glamorous. So they get in it and understand it's actual work. Right. That's right. And th and that's the key. You know, and I think that there is, um, you know, one of the first listings I had when we started the agency was selling the Rich Carlton residences down in LA Live. And so we got to become immersed in, in their in their ethos and their philosophy and the way they do things. And one of the things that really stuck with me is they have this motto, which is um, ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. That's great. So, you know, That's we're, great. we're wow. all valuable humans. You know, mm -hmm. the fact that I'm making the bed doesn't make me any less valuable Absolutely. or human. And, I believe that. And yeah. I think, you know, if we kind of step away from, well, I want to be, you know, the star of this or the top real estate agent or the whatever, you know, whatever glamorous or exciting, you know, maybe I, I, you know, I cornered the market on, uh, you know, scrap metals from cars. Right. You know, not, doesn't sound super glamorous, but right. you know, I've got a friend who does that and he's killing it and he, yeah. you know, he makes him super happy and he loves what he does. Yeah. You know, you, whatever you do, you just got to love what you do. And I think it, that of course is not enough. You got to give everything you can. You know? Correct. And listen, you can't. There's a point where you, there's just too much. I mean, I every mm. day I go to sleep knowing that I didn't get a, fifteen things done. Right. And that'll be every day, you know. And you right. just have to know, of yourself, did you give everything? Like, are you, you know, when you leave the field, did you play your best game? Did Did, did you give it an honest go? And, and so if you if you can bring those two factors together, you'll be successful at anything you do, I believe. What would you share with your younger self? Young Billy. Not disc jockey Billy. Or maybe it's disc jockey Billy. What 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 advice would you share? Uh, that's a great question. Um I guess um enjoy the ride. I mean it's mm. you know I, my mom told me that I needed to be a doctor or a lawyer and I was squeamish at the sight of blood. So I had to be a lawyer right. and, you know, I was very focused on where I wanted to go and, you know, what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And, um, I mean, I, I actually did enjoy that whole process, but I think that, you know, if you look at, you know, going from being a lawyer to a talent agent, to a designer developer, to a real estate agent, to 
you know, the owner of the agency, there's no way if I looked back and said, well, this is, I'm going to do this so I can end up here. I mean, that there's, that, nobody would ever chart that course. Right. So I think, you know, you have to um, see the doors when they open, um, be open to change and really, you know, understand that it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's an adventure. It's a process. It's not a destination and you got to enjoy it all the way along the way. All right. That. And for the final question, this I feel is like the most important question because it, it, it directly affects your life. Mm-hmm. How do you find peace of mind? That's the final question of the day. Okay. Um, <laughs> how, how easy. Um, you know, uh, for me, you know, it's really about kind of golden rule, you yeah. know, uh, treat others like you want to be treated. And, um, I, I try to lead a simple life in that regard in that I'm not like creating stories. I'm not, you know, trying to hide in the shadows. I'm trying to just be authentic me and, and, right. you know, be proud of who I am and, and, um, Right. You know, if I can live authentically and, and in a way that I can feel is, you know, with integrity and morality, then I feel good about what's going on. That's amazing. I want to thank you for, uh, you know, sharing the afternoon with me, man, and, uh, you know, just sharing some thoughts. This because, was, go, go ahead. ahead. No, 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 go ahead. No, this no. was awesome. I was so, so one, great to hang with you and reconnect with you. And I, I did not remember you being on my desk. And I was <laughs> a little concerned what you were going to say about how I treated you. I think I was pretty good, generally speaking. I try to live my life that way. But, Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. But, I mean, so much, uh, you know, uh, respect for what you've created and, and where you're going and how Thank you've you. made that jump from, yeah. you know, a, you know, jumped off a cliff and said, here's what I'm going to do and this is yeah. what my calling is. And I think yeah. that's a great example of, you know, that exact same thing, which Absolutely. is follow your dream and follow your passion. And if you bring passion to it, it'll succeed. It will. It will. Well, we are both living proof of that. Thank you very much, Billy Rose. My pleasure. Great to see you. Appreciate you, brother. Peace. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois.